All right. Let's give a big shout out to Jesus with all you got. Come on now. All right. Well, when I was a kid, when I was a kid, we would stand for the reading of scripture. And so tonight, just to be different, I want to invite you, let's stand as we read God's word together. And uh, I'm going to read out of Psalm chapter 24 as we begin this evening. Psalm chapter 24, beginning here in verse three. Who may ascend the hill of the Lord? Who may stand in his holy place? He who has clean hands and a pure heart, who does not lift up his soul to an idol or swear by what is false. He will receive blessing from the Lord and vindication from God, his savior. Such is the generation of those who seek him, who seek your face, O God of Jacob. Just place your hand over your heart and let's pray together. Father, tonight, night one of desperation, we declare to you that we want to be a generation that seeks your face. God, over the next couple days, we want to encounter you in a supernatural way. We want to be close to God. We want to ascend the hill of the Lord. We want to stand with you. We want to know you. We want to do your works. We want to be in communion with you. We want to expand your kingdom. We want to be friends of God. And everyone said amen. Amen. You may be seated. I grew up uh, in a pastor's home. My dad uh, was one of my best friends. Something crazy happened to my parents because they didn't have just one kid when they had kids. Uh, The first round, they had three. So I'm a triplet. I was born with two girls. I like to say I was born in a litter. And so it was David, Dana, and Deborah. My dad used to take us sledding. I loved to go uh, sledding when I was a kid. I grew up in northern Idaho. And uh, so we would go to this sledding hill that was close to our house. And the way that we would go down is my dad would lay flat on an inner tube. tube, And then uh, each one of us is about, you know, five years old, four years old. Uh, we would we would lay you know flat on top of each other, and then you know all four people would just go straight down the hill. My brother didn't do it because he was in my my mom's stomach. He wasn't born yet because he's um, he's a, he's a young guy, and uh, and so and so we would go down, and and when we get to the bottom, then then we would go back up the hill. And as you know, for any five year old, that's where things get difficult is when you have to go back up the hill. And so my dad loves to tell the story. He's a preacher, and he loves to tell the story of the way that his three children would climb the hill. First, you had my, my youngest sister, Deborah. I'm eight minutes older than she is, which makes me eight minutes more mature. And Deborah, she'd start up the hill and she'd get up just a little bit. And then she'd look at how far she had to go, how much it would take, the energy she would have to exert to make it to the top. And she'd sit down on her snow pants and just slide back down, you know, like maybe like 15 feet, just right down there at the bottom. And she kind of spent a lot of time right there at the bottom of the hill. Then you had the incredibly mature, wise son, David. It's four minutes more mature than Dana, eight minutes more mature than Deborah. And what I would do is that I, I would go up about halfway up the hill. And once I got about halfway, I'd get super tired and in sheer exhaustion, I'd just sit down. I wouldn't slide back down the hill and I wouldn't keep going to the top either. Just stop right there. And then you had the darling child, the one that my father called Angel, Dana. And Dana was the one who would continue, no matter what, to keep going up the hill, up the hill, up the hill. And 
My dad loves to tell the story of one time overhearing her as David and Deborah didn't make it to the top of the hill, overhearing her as a little five-year-old going, I think I can, I think I can, I think I can, making it to the top of the hill. And when I'm reading Psalm 24, I'm reading about this idea. And in this text here of Psalm 24, this idea is who can be close to God? Who can ascend the hill of the Lord? Who can stand in his holy place? Who can be with God? Who can get there? Who can arrive? Who can, who can walk with him? Who can, who can know him? Who can be close to God? And when I, when I think of this, I, I think of even this picture of my childhood because you kind of had three different phases. And I think it represents a lot of where you and I are. Sometimes it's easy to have people, you're gonna go to the top of the hill, but it, it gets hard, sacrifice, Giving up your life, Jesus, when he called us to give everything up, to follow him, there's real sacrifice involved. And a lot of times, we just kind of like Deborah, we just stop at the bottom of the hill and we just quit. A lot of times, all over our generation, and you can read the statistics, there's quitters all over the place. There's people that just gave up, they just quit. And then you've got people right in the middle, I'm going to call them tonight, I'm going to call them campers. And campers are people that they haven't quit. They still go to church. They do some good things. They sing the worship songs. But deep in their heart, they've given up living in desperate pursuit of God or ascending the hill. They're just camping. And then finally, you've got ascenders. People that say, I'm, I'm, I'm giving everything to God. I'm going after Jesus with all that I have. Some of you tonight, maybe you feel like you're in, this, you're in the quitter camp. The quitter camp, when it comes to ascending the hill of the Lord, ascending the mountain, it's like, it's too hard. I've got pain in my heart. Pastors have led me astray. Parents have hurt me. So maybe there's theological ideas that cause you to say, I'm going to punt on the radical for God thing and I'm going to quit. I'm going back to the Jeep. I'm going to I'm gonna, I'm gonna go do my thing. I'm going to live my way. And you're, I mean, you're back in the parking lot. You're back in the Jeep. You're here. You're like, I'm just going to hang out. Y'all go ahead. Y'all go ahead and get to know God. Y'all pursue God. I'm, I'm going back and I'm going to wait. I got 30, 40, 50, 60, 70, maybe 80 years left on the planet. I'm just going to give up. I'm just going to quit. And I'm heartbroken over how many young people. There was a day where they were going after God. And over the course of their journey, someone lets them down. Someone, someone teaches something that they think is off and they use that as a license to just give up on radical Christianity, on giving up everything. Maybe they get into a, a, a theological debate. And, and because I can't intellectually untie all the theological knots, I'm going to use it as a license to quit. The crazy thing about Jesus inviting us to be disciples is he, he didn't look as, as disciples and say, I want you to understand every detail about God. He said, I want you to know God and I want you to be obedient. Walk with him and be obedient. There's all kinds of times where young people give up, they quit, they stop right here. Mom did something, dad did something, a pastor did something, a friend hurt me, the youth pastor didn't do this, whatever, we've got a reason. And at the core, it's accusation. I'm hurt, I'm mad, I can't understand. So we give up. 
Just quit. And you've been offered the invitation of a lifetime to know God, to walk with God, to be close to God. I mean, you and I encountering him. It's what Brandon prayed it a minute ago. Knowing God, we've been given this invitation. And it's so easy for us just to quit. Just give up. I'm going to go back to what I used to know. I'm going back to the Jeep. There's others of you that you're just right here. You're, you got halfway up the hill, but then things got, you know, a little bit tough. And when you look at what it takes, you look at a rigorous life of obedience and giving to the poor and prayer and fasting and seeking God and studying the scriptures. And, and it's just like, man, that's just, that's hard. I don't want to go back to sin. I don't want to give up on God. I'm not going to quit. I don't want to lose the ground that I've taken. But man, I don't know if I can live in desperate pursuit. I don't know if I can ascend the hill. And so, so campers, they just, they just kind of make camp right here. And, these, and, and when you're a camper, campers tend to get really involved in lots of church stuff even. They got activities going everywhere. But when it comes to actually knowing God, I mean, when it comes to actually seeking him and pursuing him, I've kind of given up on that. I'm still a good kid. I mean, I still do a lot of right things. But come on, I don't want to be one of those one of those radicals. I don't want to be one of those crazies. I just want what's comfortable. And really at the core, campers exist with kind of like one foot in the world, one foot pursuing God, and they're just kind of stuck right here. Kind of stuck, just in the middle. And there's moments where it's like, I, I really want to go after God. I really, I, maybe, may, not have any experience or something. And so they're like, I'm going to go after God, but they've, they've got the love of the world in them. They're still they're still doing stuff that keeps them shackled and in pain and lacking freedom in God and stuck to the things of this world. And so when they go to pursue God, it's like, ha, ah, ah, or stuck. And after that, doing this for a long time, it's kind of like, fine, I'll give up. So then they go, well, I guess I'll go pursue the things of the world. And they go after the things of the world, but and they go after the things of the world. It's, they've encountered Jesus enough. They know that he's real. They've, they're confident that the word of God is true. And they're miserable in sin because they've encountered God. They're miserable in this world because they're still holding on to sin. And so they just are stuck right here, just camping out. And this is a miserable place. This is a lukewarm spot. This is a spot where your heart knows that God is real. You know that if you went after it, God's got gifts for you and callings for you and you can encounter him and you can walk with him and you can draw near to him. But the pain of ascending the hill a little bit further is just too hard. So you just live right there as a camper. Where we want to go over the next two days, where we're going in my prayer, where we'll end tonight is a commitment that you and I are going to be ascenders. Ascenders, they just say, I think I can. I think I can. They got good days. They got bad days. They haven't attained perfection. But they have confidence in who their God is. They have confidence in his loving kindness. They have confidence that he desires and loves you. And if that be true, if his love be real, 
then I can pursue him with everything that I've got. When I fall short, I can pursue the next day. I can ascend the hill the next day. Ascenders are going after God. Ascenders put the backpack on and they're like, I don't know all that my future has, but I know my future is with Jesus. I know that he's my hope for tomorrow. My, my promise is Jesus. My future is Jesus. This is the mark of an ascender. And you and I, over the course of this weekend, we're gonna ask God to take us to a place of being ascenders where this Psalm 24, this idea, who can ascend the hill of the Lord, who can stand in his holy place? Us, those with clean hands, pure heart, haven't lifted up our soul to an idol because of the finished work of Jesus on the cross. We can stand there and we go, God, we wanna know you. We wanna be close to you. So tonight, I wanna give you three marks of an ascender, three ideas, three concepts that when you look at an ascender, this is what they look like. First one is this, ascenders make a plan to spend time with God. Ascenders make a plan to spend time with God. About six years ago, I uh, was with my wife and we went to, uh, on vacation to Miami and it was uh, January, uh, right after the uh, Oklahoma Sooners had just lost the uh, national championship game the night before, and it was painful for me. I, I went to OU, and so I'm a pretty big, pretty big, uh, yeah, there we go, all right, so I got some Sooners, yeah. I, I, and so I was, you know, it's kind of a painful thing, and so we, we get off the air, airplane, and we're standing there in the terminal, and we're about to, you know, go have our, our vacation, and uh, we've got one son at the time, my son Dawson was a baby, and so we're walking through the airport and we're, I mean, we're just, we haven't been off the plane very long when all of a sudden there's a moment, it's powerful. I look up and I go, uh, Renata, you're not going to believe this, but uh, Bob Stoops right over there. And she's like, who's Bob Stoops? And I'm like, oh, the pain. Like that's, that's the head coach of the Oklahoma Sooners. I mean, he's, I mean, that's, I mean, whoo, that's what my heart's going. I'm like, whoo. And, and, and in my head, I'm thinking I know this man, Bob Stoops, because I mean, I mean, I, I know a lot about Bob Stoops. I mean, I've, I've watched him on TV. I've watched him win a national championship. I, I, I know a lot about Bob Stoops. And I, I make a determination, uh, babe, I, I want to meet Bob. And she's like, no, 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 no. We got to go to, we got to get, you know, we got to get to the hotel. I'm like, no, 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 no. I, I, can we just, can we just go? Can we just, can we just go talk to him? And she's like, I'm not talking to him. And, and so I'm like, just wait right here. Can, can I want to go talk to Bob Stoops? And she's like, really? I'm like, yeah. So I walk over there and I didn't know exactly, I don't, I don't, I can't explain exactly how I expected this conversation to go, but in my head, I was, I, I pictured like we're buds, you know, like we're friends. I mean, I know, I, I, if you would ask me, I said, I, I know that, I know that he doesn't know me. I know that, but, but I mean, I know so much about him. I mean, I, I, I know that, he, you know, he coached at Kent State, and then he went to Kansas State, and then he went to Florida. I know his wife's name's Carol. I know he's got two sons that are twins. I, I, I mean, I know all about him. I mean, I've read articles about him. I, 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 know, I, know, I know he wears a, a visor to look like Steve Spurrier, who's kind of like his hero. I mean, I, I, I know his strategies. I, I read about him. I read about him on websites. I watch him on TV. I've spent Saturday afternoons. I mean, I, I know a lot about him, and yet I have this moment where when it wasn't, the question was not, do I know about him, but do I know him? I had a moment that proved I didn't know him. I looked at him. I waited for him to finish his, he was on his cell phone. He finally gets off. I look at him, shake, I put on my hand like this to shake his hand. And I'm like, 
good job, Coach Stoops. We'll get him next year. And in my head, I'm thinking, you know, he's going to be like, oh, great, man. What's up? How you doing? You know, he leans over, pats me on the head. I'm like, dude, I got kids, a mortgage. I'm married. Pass me on the head. Thanks, son. Boop, boop. Like, you gotta be kidding me. Thanks, son. I mean, in my head, it's like, I, I've spent a lot of time around your, I mean, I've watched you. I know all about you. I know about your team. I know about your strategy. I've cheered. I've sang the songs. I know the Sooner songs. I've got Sooner clothes. But when it came time face to face and I met the coach, I didn't know him. You know, in our world, we've got huge lights and we've got John Egan, the rock star, and we've got songs going. We've got preaching vegetables. We've got youth pastors wearing skinny jeans. We've got all kinds of church stuff that is trying to help you to know God. It's trying to help you get close to God. You've got preachers. You've got Christian music. You've got Christian television. You've got Christian bumper stickers. We've got all this stuff to try to kind of set up a prop for you to know God, for you to encounter God. And the big question, though, is not you know a lot of information can you quote the statistics the big question is when you see him face to face when it's just you and God you and God in the secret place just you and Jesus I'm talking early in the morning I'm talking late at night I'm talking on the lunch hour when it's just you and God do you know him have you ascended the hill? Are you walking with him when it's just you and God is there reality there or is there mostly just information Because at the very core, the very thing that God invites you into is a relationship, to know him, to be close to him. That's what he wants. He wants to be close to you. And Jesus set this example for us. We look at Mark 135. Jesus is always getting up early in the morning to go be with his father. I mean, Jesus, the God of the ages, I mean, the God man, I mean, Jesus, there he is. And he's getting up to be with his father. You'd think If he spent eternity past with his father, he'd go, you know what? My few years of ministry, I can, you know, kind of punt on my quiet time. No. Eternity past, he's been with the father, right? We know that, right? And yet here he is on the planet. He's spending time with his father, rising early, getting up early to be with God, to be with his father. My challenge for you here is that as you commit to be an ascender, one of the very core things of desperation that we would encourage you to do, the very number one piece of our, of our vow that we're going to commit to on Friday morning is passion. So that we would know God. And I want to tell you, if you want to be an ascender, if I, the, the secret to sustaining wholehearted passion for God is spending time with God. Yeah. Being with him. And I'm not talking about, you know, just like, hey, I like to pray when I run or I like to pray when I walk or I like to pray when I brush my teeth or I like to pray when I, you know, play we or whatever your thing is. I'm talking about you with a designated time where the sole intention is I'm going to focus in and be with them. I, I, I mean, I, I don't know about you, but for me, I mean, I, I, I think one of the best times is, is mornings. And I just want to straight up encourage you to get up, spend time with God. I know for me, I mean, it's like when I'm trying to get up in the morning, I, I, I love sleep. Anybody here love sleep? Yeah. And so for me in the mornings, it's like, it's like when the, when the alarm clock goes off and it's time to get up and you want to try to get up early, be with God. It's like that, that sound that, uh, uh, 
And right there, there's a moment. And you know, I imagine God, you know, he's like, he's up there, he's looking down. He's seeing, he's like, there's my boy. He's getting up. We're going to spend time together. He's going to be with me. There it is. And, you know, he loves you. He delights in you. I mean, he loves you the way that he loves his son. He's got anticipation to spend time with you. You've, you've, you've set your alarm early. You're going to get up. You're going to be with him. Ah, uh, ah, uh, ah. Uh. <laughs> you hit the snooze button. Let me tell you. Demons live in snooze buttons. I'm just saying, I'm just saying, you want to know demon possession, snooze buttons all across the world. I want to encourage you though, figure out a plan, figure out a way to spend time with him so that you, when it's face to face, you know him. In my own journey, in my own life, for me, it's it's hard to get up. I was finding myself hitting the snooze button constantly. So I, I got a friend. Lives in a different time zone. Easy on him. <laughs> he texts me every morning. So early in the morning, he sends me a text. And I'm just that desperate where I'm like, dude, if I don't have somebody calling me on this, I might sleep in. The, the demon possessed snooze button might win. And so he texts me, figure out a plan. Have some, I mean, whether it's your mom, your dad, your friends, writing in a journal, Talking to your, setting up a meeting with someone where you talk about what the Lord's saying, what God's speaking to you. It's very easy for us to live in the knowledge of God, knowing that he exists and not have relationship. The very core, the very core thing that will help you long-term walk with God is if you know him. The way to know him is to spend time with him. Get alone with him. Spend time and, and, and do, I mean, make whatever you, whatever you care about, you'll make time for, you know? I mean, if you care about sports, you make time for sports, right? If you care about Facebook, you make time for Facebook. If you, it, whatever you care about, you ultimately create time for. So make this a big part of your life. I mean, set, set up the time, get everything right. However you like it, you know, turn off sports center. For me, I like table cup of decaf at 6 a.m. That's awesome. Decaf at 6. That's the way I need it. Coffee, highlighters. I mean, so books, you can, scriptures, journal, and really get up and spend time with God. It doesn't have to be in the morning. It could be, it could be whatever works in your day. I know in my own journey, in different seasons of my life, it's been different times. It's been different times. It was, it was different for me in, in, in uh, junior high and high school than it was in college. It's different. It was different before I had children. Now I have four children. It changes. Times change. But you, ultimately, when you stand before God, he's going to look at you and it's going to be about, did you know me? Did you? Not your mom. Not your grandpa. Not your youth pastor with a goatee. You. You, what about you? Did you walk with me? Did you know him? The very core, that's, that's gonna be the question. Did you know God? You've got this window of time to make a choice. How are you gonna spend time with him? You're gonna walk with him? You're gonna know him? You, I'm talking about you. I'm talking about you at 16 years old. I'm talking about you at 15 years old. Are you gonna know God? It is so easy to go cruise control on walking with God. Assume that because you've got all the Christian stuff all around you, 
that you're close. But when you push it aside, it's just you and God. There's no, there's no iPod with the latest Christian worship on it. Set aside the latest devotional book that somebody wrote somewhere that they sell at the Christian bookstore. Set aside the latest Christian Devo email. I'm talking about when it's just you and God. No script written for you. No song written for you. Your bare naked heart before the God of the ages. That's where you want there to be relationship. For there to be reality. For there to be history. So you could, you get your Bible and you just start writing. I mean, you write dates where the Lord spoke to you. You, you, you know, you mark it up and you connect one verse to another verse. You write, oh, this is what God spoke to me in sophomore year. Write it down. Oh, I prayed for so-and-so. Mark that junior year. You're starting to pray for other people. There starts to become not just the commitment. I got to be a, a, a Christ follower. So I got to do a Devo. No, there starts to be a vitality and real relationship where your favorite place is, is being with God and you see him working on the earth. You see him using you. You're praying for different people. You're learning different things. There starts to be different themes in the scriptures that come alive to you. So maybe you're studying, you know, that he's the father. And so you're studying different scriptures and you're in a season where God's teaching you that he's the father. Your verses are coming alive. You're buying books. You're stealing books. There is holy stealing if it's Christian. You're, 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 you're figuring out a way to get close to God. And that starts to be alive in your heart. And I'm telling you, it's the greatest way to live on the planet. The, the, the pursuit of Jesus, wholehearted giving everything to God, is the most thrilling life on the planet. It's far better than great, you know, rock climbing and what, name your thing. The pursuit of God is what you were created for. It's what will last for eternity. And you can tap into it now. Or you can just kind of try to just kind of drown it out with perpetual recreation. Ten different hobbies. Goals that will fulfill something other then God's call on your life and you'll slowly quiet that longing. But that longing, that longing, if you'll tap into that, that thing that God created, that yearning to know him, to walk with him, if you'll tap into it, you will find it to be so life-giving, so fulfilling, so thrilling. Number one, a sinner spend time with God. Number two, ascenders listen for the voice of God. They listen to him. They're friends. Because out of the overflow of relationship, out of the overflow of spending time with God, they start to recognize his voice and hear his voice. That's what Jesus said in John 10. John 10, he says, my sheep know me. They hear my voice. And you, 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 you go, me? Yeah, you. You can hear the voice of God. Dude, I'm 13 years old. You can hear the voice of God. Dude, I'm only 17 years old. You can hear the voice of God. Dude, I've been a youth pastor for 60 years. I'm only 97 years old here tonight. You can hear the voice of God. Every single one of you, we can hear the voice of God. I was in the Atlanta airport and uh, I know I have multiple airport stories. It's just the way it landed. It's kind of weird. But I was standing in the security line and uh, I'm I'm, I'm, I'm standing in this security line and uh, I'm, you know, Atlanta's a real big airport and so there's like... uh, just, this, just a lot, I mean, a big, a lot of people in this line. And I hear behind me this voice that's familiar to me. And I'm, and all of a sudden I turn around cause I'm like, I know him. Who is it? I, I know him. And I turn around and I have that weird feeling where people are looking at you like, what's wrong with you? Cause I see nobody that I know. And then someone talks again and I turn around and I'm like, huh, and, uh, and I don't see anybody I know. So I'm like, I know, I know that voice, but I do not recognize a face. So I'm feeling stupid. 
So I decided, you know, I'm just, I'm, I'm just, I'm just like tuning in. I'm like listening really, really intently. And I'm like, who is that? And I go, dude, I know who that is. That's, that's Timothy Keller. He's a, he's, a, he's a preacher in New York City. I'm, I'm, a, I'm not much into music, but I'm huge into sermon podcasting. I love to listen to preachers. So I've got a park right by my house. And when I run, at, uh, let me rephrase, let me say that again. I want you to applaud right there. When I run, yeah, it's pretty good. All right, all right, okay, so, yeah. Both times, no, just kidding. Uh, when I run, when I run, I listen to sermons. And so one of the guys that I listened to was this guy, Timothy Keller. And so I'm standing in there and I've never, I mean, I've never seen a picture of him. It's not a video podcast, it's just an audio podcast. The logo for his church is just a big R. It's just for Redeemer. It's not, there's no picture of a person, but I'm like, I know that voice. I've been listening to that voice. I've heard that voice. And it's kind of that risky moment where you're like, and you know this, cause I told you the Bob Stoop story where I'm like, I got to meet him. I, I got to meet this guy. So I start kind of having, you know, it's a little awkward. I start telling people in the security line, I'm like, you can go in front of me. You can go in front of me. And they're like, what's wrong with you? I'm like, nothing. Don't worry about it. You can go in front of me. Kind of looking suspicious, you know, like what's with that guy? You can go in front of me. And so then right, right when it's him, you know, right when it's Timothy Keller, then I don't let him go in front of me. I'm just like, <laughs> you know, you know. I give it, you know, like I give it about 30 seconds and then I'm going to turn around and I'm going to, I'm going to introduce myself. And so I, uh, I turn around and I look up at this gargantuan, intimidating man. Ser- I just look, I mean, he's like five, nine, five, ten, And I was like, <sighs> so what are you laughing at? So I, I look at him and I'm like, excuse me, are you, uh, Timothy Keller. And he's like, yes, I am. And, uh, so we, we, we just end up having this talk. We end up talking God talks totally nicer than <laughs> Stoops. So I'm like, yeah, one for the Christians. But anyway, and so <laughs> it was awesome. And, uh, and, and the whole idea that, I, that, that was kind of clear to me is that I'd never seen his face, but I knew his voice. And as we do this journey with God, as you spend 60, 70, 80 years in pursuit of God. You're on, I'm going to be a, a Christ follower that ascends the hill of the Lord, that walks with God, that knows God. It's listening for that voice, listening for the voice that becomes familiar. God's speaking to you. God will speak to you even if you never see his face. There will be a day where we stand before him where we will behold him. And we anticipate and look forward to that day. But right now, we don't see him, but we know him. We walk with him. If you'll listen, you'll hear God. One of the places you'll hear God the most is in the scriptures. And I want to encourage you over the next two days, dive into the scriptures. I mean, mark up your Bible. If you, if you, if you don't have a Bible, mark up your iPhone, whatever it takes, but spend time, I mean, devouring the scriptures in these couple days and as we leave here. If you will be, if you'll study the scriptures, if you'll pray the scriptures, it's one of the things we do here in our, in our furnace prayer room is we'll just pray the scriptures and we turn it into conversation. So it's not just reading for information, but you're reading for relationship. You're taking the scripture, you're praying it back to God and you'll find your heart start to come alive and connect with the scriptures. And then when you're walking through your day, when you're spending time with God, whatever, you'll, you'll start to, he- the scriptures will be alive in you. You'll hear them and you'll know God's speaking to you. If you want to hear the voice of God, study the scriptures. I talk with young people all the time that they say, I want to hear God's voice, but they're not in the scriptures. They don't know the Bible. They don't read the Bible. 
If you don't read the scriptures, it's a statement, I don't care. I'm not really that hungry. If you can quote more movie lines than you can scripture, I doubt you're going to hear his voice very often. You got to get in it. Got to study it. Pray it. Ask God to speak to you through his word. Sometimes God will not only speak through scripture, but he'll speak through others. I know for, in my own journey, one of the ways that I've felt like the Lord has spoken to me over and over again is through just, just, just Christians that I respect. When I was 18, I remember sitting at a bagel shop with my dad and we were talking about, we were talking about where I was, what I was supposed to do after I finished high school and we had a stack of college applications high and I was, we were going through them and we were kind of going, you know, looking at all the details of each one of them and the academic side and, and, and all of a sudden he just said this phrase, he was just looking at all these with me and, you know, he goes, man, he goes, maybe you're not supposed to choose your school based upon the major, but maybe it's based upon the, 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 the spiritual vitality of the community of faith. Maybe you're supposed to just go get around the most radical Christians you can get around. And I just, something inside of me just went, yeah, yeah. And I knew of a church that I wanted to go to in a different city. And I picked a university that was in that city because it was just a moment. It was like, that's, and I'm not saying that's right for you. I'm not trying to make that into um, something for everybody. Um, But I'm just saying it was a moment where it was like, it was a, it was like a, it was like God speaking to me through, through somebody else. And God's alive. He'll speak to you through your youth pastor. He'll speak to you through friends. Maybe when someone's praying for you and you just have a moment where it just, it's like it rings out. It's like, wow. Yeah, that's true. Boom. I like that. Mm, That's that. Yeah. That's God's talking to me. And sometimes, even maybe over the next couple days, there might be even in the sermons, maybe during the worship set, there might be a moment where it's a lyric of a song, but it just sticks out. It just comes alive. And what I want to encourage you to do is when that happens, you'll just, it's just like a sense. It's like a, it's like it, it's like everything else, you know, when you're typing on word and you know, it's just kind of regular and then you can bold, you know, italics and underline. It's like that. It's like, it just sticks out. That's what it's going to feel like. It's just like, that just sticks out. Take that phrase, take those ideas and just pray them back to God and say, God, what are you saying to me? What are you saying to me in that phrase? What are you saying to me in that song lyric? God, what, what are you saying to me through my youth pastor, my friend who just spoke that? You'll be surprised. God will speak to you through other people. And then my favorite, most of us know the story of Elijah where, God's, where, where God wasn't in the fire He wasn't speaking through the earthquake, but he says, God was speaking in the whisper. God just spoke in a whisper. Listen, if you'll listen, God will speak directly to you. He'll whisper things to you. We have a God who loves to talk to his people. Read read the Old Testament, read the New Testament. God loves to talk. And you sit back and you go, I just don't think he wants to talk to me. No, 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 he does. God doesn't have a talking problem. We have a listening problem, but he's speaking. He wants you to draw near to him. He wants to speak to you, but just like any relationship, you got to draw near. You got to say, I'm going to pursue him. He's already pursued you. He's already offered you the invitation. He's already given you his word. Your challenge is draw near to him. Get, Get closer and closer to God. The last one is this. Ascenders don't give up. The temptation for all of us. It's your temptation at 17, but it doesn't change at 27 or 37 or 57. 
Right now, you have more media than any generation in history in your face. You've got, I mean, if you would have talked to, you know, your grandparents or my parents, and the idea that you could, would have a contraption in your hand where you could get any information at any time on a phone or, I mean, it was unthinkable, you know, three or four decades ago. You have constant allurement. You have, you, it's, it's so in your face. I mean, it's, and there will always be the temptation. There will always be to give in, to just chilling out and just going to the movies twice a week, you know? Let's just sit back and watch the Tuesday night movie, camp out, become a camper, live like a church brat, you know? Go to church, get so involved in so many fine things, not necessarily evil things, but at the core, you so fill your life with so much stuff, so many things that you lose the one thing that matters, relationship with God, knowing him, walking with him, spending time with him, hearing his voice, being with him, ascending the hill of the Lord, walking with God. The temptation to give up, it won't just be your senior year of high school. It won't just be in college. It's gonna be, you know, scripture says that the enemy accuses us day and night, day and night. The enemy is constantly trying to lie to you, trying to get you to believe that all the, the smorgasbord of entertainment, the smorgasbord of recreation, all these other things surpass a secret life in God, a pursuit of God. Give yourself to all these things. And oh yeah, that's kind of a side church thing you ought to do. Listen, if you don't find delight in God, if you just categorize it as an ought, but there's not life in it, you'll eventually become a quitter. Maybe a camper, but probably a quitter. God's cre- God created you to walk with him and for it to be alive, for it to be vital, for it to be powerful, for you to enjoy it, for you to love him, for you to walk with him. The pleasure of loving God is significant. But you gotta send the help. The enemy's gonna come after you and go, give up, give up, give up. But imagine the day where you stand before God I mean, you, you're going to stand before him. Ah, imagine that moment. Just you and God. Your mom's not there. Your five-minute devotional Bible's not there. Your veggie tails aren't there. It's just, I mean, you standing before God. There it is. You know, when we read the story of, you know, we can read Jesus, the sheep and the goats. He talks about, you know, a moment where we're going to stand before him and he's going to separate, you know, He's going to look at some people and he's going to go, well done, good and faithful servant, enter into your rest. Well done, good and faithful servant, enter into your rest. Well done, good and faithful servant, enter into your rest. Away from me, I never knew you. Away from me, I never knew you. Well done, good and faithful servant, enter. Yeah, I know. Yeah, the cross was good to you. By the hair of your chinny chin chin. Yeah, no, you're in. Yeah, welcome. No, really, you're in. No, Jesus is good. Okay, well done, good and faithful servant. Well done, good and faithful. Away from me. No, yeah, mm away from me and everything. Ah! Brandon Cormier, my boy! You knew me. You loved me. You walked with me. Ah! Dan Perkins, what's up, my boy? Oh, Diego, how you doing? 
It's not, oh, you loved me. You walked with me. You knew me. Can you imagine a moment where you encounter God and you knew him? You walked with him. There's enthusiasm. You see him. What's up, G? What's up? I'm here. I love you. I've walked with you. I've known you for 60 years. We've been walking together. Well done, good and faithful. That's what we want. What we want is we want to be people that ascend the hill of the Lord. We know him and we walk with him. We stand with me.